Notre Dame goes into Durham, North Carolina and defeats Duke 38-7. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated with Pete Sampson from The Athletic. It's Monday, November 11th, and Notre Dame is now 7-2. Dropped the spot in the poll just because, I guess mainly because of what Minnesota did against Penn State. But Notre Dame now 7-2, strong defensive performance, really strong defensive performance against Duke. Ian Book looked like the Ian Book that we kind of remembered from the past, and Notre Dame also loses a great defensive end. Tremendous defensive performance. Nine, or excuse me, eight three and outs, and as important, six more drives where Duke didn't gain 25 yards. That's just no chance you lose a game I think we, when he plays that way. We suspected that it, it could be that type of beatdown for, for Duke's offense, but Notre Dame took it to another level. Yeah, I thought the defense was excellent. They had, what, I think seven three and outs? And they uh, I included the uh, one and out. Okay. Yeah. So... Uh, just for I'm talking seven three now. Right, Thank sure. you, Tim. Uh, <laughs> like a four then, and out, three yeah, and out. Does you know. anybody got to call yeah. you yeah. out on that? And then uh, other than O'Malley, right? And then three. Uh, I think it was like three runs of ten yards or more. Um, so it's like I mean that's a pretty good balance uh, if you're. And I've, I wrote about this today. It's like Clark Lee's ability to teach and develop in season, which I I think we we spend probably too much time talking about like. Oh well, spring practices—that's when you get better. Or like working out with Bayless in the summer or the winter—that's when you get better. You can get a lot better in season if you have really good coaching. Uh, and Notre Dame's linebackers have consistently gotten better. Have you ever seen? I mean, maybe I'm forgetting this, but just the amount of adjustments they've made from a week-to-week basis defensively. I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that Mike Elko was that inclined, and maybe there hasn't been enough of a disparity from one week to the next. Well, I think it's the way the roster is built, too. I mean, you wouldn't try this with last year's team because they didn't have that level of defensive end depth, nor was there a, a third safety you would even want to play. Um, That's a good point. But to take advantage of it, I think, is still really impressive. So it's, uh, I mean, I, I thought that Clark Lee has done a tremendous job with a position. Like, we don't, Drew White loved the human tackles, so okay. I mean, at the, at the beginning of the season, we're like, oh my gosh, what a performance. You're right. What a hero. And now it's just like that. Well, it's kind of what happens. And Owusu Kormo was great. Yeah. And Asmar Bilal is good every week now. Asmar Bilal is an indispensable player now because he's the guy that replaced Jack Lamb in the nickel and dime sets. Um, after Louisville, it was like, get Asmar Bilal off the field, which Brian <laughs> Kelly even referenced. I was going to say, the most important part of that is Brian Kelly referenced it. Yeah. It's not just us saying he had a bad right. day with run fits. Brian Kelly said, we're not sure... We didn't know if he no, would start yeah. after that no, game. No, I mean, that was a universal thought through in and around the program. Tim, you made a point after the game about the, the overall linebacker play and the run fits. They were – I mean, I thought Owusu Kormo was, was great in so many different ways in this game. But I, I think across the board at, at linebacker, yes, Notre Dame won the line of scrimmage, but on the second level they won that battle as well. Oh, they were fantastic, and after 12 years of covering every game, I finally figured out what to write down and what not to write down, and I was able to look at my sheet and go, holy cow, the linebackers were good at you the fi- end of that game. You figured that out I already? Did. It, took, I it took 12 years. I don't no longer write down too much during the game, but Pete, you will be saddened to know that I have to do a lot more during the week where you were able to avoid that conflict. This, this week I was. I was able to do all the snap counts live. Yeah, um, snap counting live now. It's, yeah. That's tough, man. It saves like three hours during the week. But, uh, yeah, and uh, I think offensively, Tim, I think you wrote this in your tale of the tape today about um, you know how sustainable is Ian Book with 12 carries. I, I'm, I'm more like, yeah, that's sustainable. Like this is college football 2019, your quarterback running – 10 times is fine. Um, we've all, and I think we talked about this in the car ride home at three in the morning uh, for, after the game, but we've all covered games where, and, and Chip Long has coached a bunch of them, where the quarterback has 12, 15, 18 runs. 
And it's because he's out of ideas and he can't trust the quarterback to do anything else. Um, this was not one of those games. I, I really liked what they did. It's I sort of chart RPOs and then when the quarterback keeps it on the RPOs. Ian Book, I think, tripled his yardage for the season on keeping it on RPOs just against Duke. I want to ask this question for you both. Because I saw a question we have a little bit about Ian Book and the game plan running. Ian Book, when he was a backup, was really good at that RPO read when to keep it. You remember him coming in the LSU game and it's first 22 yards off the right side. Third and three. Hand up for three. Third and four. Hand up. Keeps it for four. In North Carolina, when he started, he was doing all that. It seems like the more responsibility there is for the guy, it's harder to do everything well. And RPOs, until this game, he seemed to struggle with. Yeah, to, to what you're saying, Pete, I mean, I, I think that it was a conscious decision by Chip Long to say, you know, our, our, our running backs are not are not being productive. And it's, it, it coincides yeah. with the yeah. offensive line, but our running backs are not being productive enough I trust Ian Book to, to keep the ball a little bit more. I, I just think, and he's banged up now. I mean, he's got a shoulder now. He was wincing, you know, after that 45-yard yeah, run. and throughout a while. Yeah, you know, I, you know I, it's interesting, and I kind of just speculate, well, how do you deal with that? I mean, and Hasselbeck, um, the, the analyst for the game, said, you know, you're going to feel that tomorrow more than you do today. And I think anybody that's played knows that you're, when you're in the moment, you can fight through it, but it's after you sleep on it that it – it's going to hurt, so he probably has to ease into the like the broken to, rib, for for instance, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, right. The Northwestern game, yeah. I, you know, I it. I just think that you know he's not that big of a guy, and over the course of the season, and now you're at the part of the season where I guess you can probably go for it a little bit more, but you still have to be careful with him. Yeah, it's like I don't. You know, for him to have 200 carries, I don't think that makes any sense. But, you know, we're in November, there's three games left. Right. And right. If, if he has 30, 30 carries the rest of the season, you know, throw sacks in, in there, um, I think that's that's fine. I think you can live with, live with and that. And I think he will. I think it makes sense. Unless you can preserve him against BC. He's not, uh, about, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about like, oh, he's a better athlete than you think. But no, he's not. He's a good I, athlete. I, I, that was that's a uh, that's a fluty thing. I mean, yeah. how many times are you going to say that? He's a yeah. good athlete. And of all people to say that. Yeah, I know. Hasselbeck. <laughs> Hasselbeck <laughs> had a. I thought Hasselbeck had a really good read on Ian Book going into the game, and then Ian Book, the runner, really showed himself and backed up what Hasselbeck's impression was of him going to the game. I like him, by the way. I maybe. Don't you? As yeah, an no, I, I like them in studio with NFL. Stuff. Yeah, I just no, think I like. He's got a good yeah, I, I think he's just got a really, really good perspective. Obviously, as a as a quarterback that that beat Notre Dame, actually. Um, Julian O'Quara out. Notre Dame's defensive end situation still in pretty darn good shape when you consider they've lost O'Quara and Hayes. You you definitely have three experienced guys to play two positions, and then Agufo was. Very active, I thought. Very aggressive. Was not hesitant at all. I don't know how well that translates to Navy this week. But you have three to, three for two spots that I think should work out pretty well if you can keep them healthy this week, too. Jameer Jones has played both, clearly. He was actually listed as the, uh, originally listed as a strong side end. And if you read the Athletic or Irish Illustrated during the spring or August, uh, we mentioned more than 450 times that the defensive end depth was remarkable. And here it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, that was just, that was just fine. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, you I look at their position. Bad. I'm like, 
That's that's pretty good. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> <Two> starters out. <laughs> yeah, which is saying something because before it was like this is the best it's been in twenty years. Um, I, you know, is it going to impact them this week? Probably not a whole lot. Um, I would could think- it hurt them against Boston College or particularly Stanford? Yeah, it definitely could. I would actually think stuff catches up to you. Jameer Jones would play a lot this week anyway. He did. I believe yeah. he did against Navy last right. year. He played a ton after not playing. Oh, for, did he? I believe I, I, that, that he did. That's not coming to mind for me. Well, that that, that makes the, the way he plays the run and everything else. Right, that makes the situation even better. Man, you just after the season's over, aren't you going to have regrets about? Damn, you know, we we hardly had an opportunity to see Jameer Jones. He is a good. Football player. I mean, he covered that kick against Duke in 2016. Tim. He's good, man. He Remember, is. He is it. good, and he barely played in his career at Notre Dame. It's not. It, look, the defensive end play as a whole has been good, so I guess you can understand it. But you know, when a guy is as productive as he has been in a handful of games, you you wouldn't expect him to all, you know be out of eligibility just having played that much. Eight year run of the Aguara brothers being yeah, announced the, the, is over. On NBC. I, again, the Oguara thing. Is it, is it because it sounds like iguana? Is that no, why no, people no. use the G? I just... Obviously, it bothers me more than anybody else <laughs> on the face of the earth, but it's just... Can I bother them? It's, I mean, it's fingernails on a, on a chalkboard when I hear them say Oguara. I don't... It just drives me crazy. Well, Mick Ossoff. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. And I don't even know what Ade Ogundeji was. It sounded Native American the way the press box announcer Yeah, that was it. bad. He was pretty good as a whole, the press box announcer, yeah. that is. But that I, he got it right after. He did. I think he, he was came back around. At that point. Um, well, let's just, we have anything else we want to touch upon this segment? I think we've got a bunch of questions as usual. Yeah, Tim. Last thought on Duke. Yeah. We'll go back to Pete. You said you needed to see that, and you saw it. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Definitely. It was. Um, it was kind of one of those, like, narrative busting what do you have to play for things which is something we've all been dealing with with comments and message boards and probably just people we run into at Martins um, like well, what do they have left to play for well if they feel like they have something to practice for which they clearly did based on the commentary from the captains then you automatically have something to play for um, it doesn't as Chris Fink said it's like it's not like when you started playing football you're like college football playoff that's what I'm dreaming of as an eight-year-old in my front yard um I thought it was just, it was yeah. kind of getting back to some of the mature performances we felt like we were seeing in September and early October. You know what makes fingernails on the chalkboard for me? Thinking when you can't make the playoff, that it's not important anymore. Yeah. Because I mean, it drives me crazy. It drives t- me crazy we talk about the playoff in September, in July. It drives me crazy that people think Brian Kelly and the seniors on this team are going to be respected as competitors and human beings if they say, ah, lost number two. It's time to take a look at everybody else. Are you kidding? What do, you, what do you think the senior offensive linemen think if they bench Ian Book for a backup maybe, that hasn't proven anything? Maybe if you're Alabama and you lose for a second time because you have no idea what that's like. But, and and hey, no, I mean, to be fair, there, there are times when you get in November and you don't want to play anymore, but... It's when your this seniors team, don't care and, you, and you're a dead right. man walking the on se- coordinator. These seniors had a meeting and go to the head coach and say, don't let up on us. We want this as badly as you do. Work us hard. It's 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 not an issue with this team. Now, again, if you were to lose to Navy, but you're still not yeah. putting in worse players. If they're if nobody's playing as hard as they can, they lose to Navy. So you, then you start Ovia Gufo and you do you're going to beat someone. <clears throat> you still want to win the game. You're not. Leaving. Well, that's why. Yeah, that's why the whole notion of well, you don't have anything to play for. Play these other guys. 
you you want to lose your entire senior class? You want to lose your team? Tell them that you're going not going to play your better players. This is it's it's not fantasy football. It's it's real life, real human beings, many of which are playing for contracts. Florida State is an example of maybe it's time to search other areas of the depth chart when your coach is fired. Oh, yeah. you're going to possibly you know that's a different situation. Even as, maybe it, for, as it was in 2016 when for Notre Dame, right. Court, right? You could start looking at other things. 2016 was it Elijah Taylor that Mike Elson said at some point? I'm telling you, you are playing that guy right now because he just... It was Jay Hayes. It was Jay... Elijah Taylor was a bad example. It is Jay Hayes. Put him in the game. It doesn't matter what he's doing. We want to see somebody else because everything was lost at that point. Yeah. Anyway, that's my soapbox. It's over. I got you. Segment two, burning up the boards. Coming up. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Segment two, burning up the boards. We start with a question from Clark Delabar One. After this weekend's college football chaos... There appears, there appears to be a little to play for bowl-wise for Notre Dame, I assume. Do you see any potential players sitting out this week a la Jerron Jones? You know, only defensive linemen, I think, would do it. And they're sort of out of defensive linemen who could do it. That's not in Khalid Kareem's mindset either. Yeah. It's like, I this would be right. a decent week to actually sit Julian O'Quara, who I think they have done that. I think Julian O'Quara two years ago in the Navy like didn't play at all. I could he did not. In fact, that's a good recollection. He was a and he was a solid backup at the time. He was actually more productive as a player than Dalen Hayes, but didn't play as much. That's the yeah. famous Mike Elston. He needs to be as productive as Julian thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he could easily be the guy you'd protect. Um, ironically, Jameer Jones will be a key member of this. So I, Jameer Jones I is not coming off the field, right? But Jerron Jones didn't want to be on it. The, uh, they're, they are two different. I would say they're two different pe- people. Uh, Pete, bowl wise, what what has changed since you? It's just the Cotton Bowl is less likely now. Yeah. Um, you know the teams: Wisconsin winning at Iowa, Minnesota winning, uh, Auburn winning, Florida winning, Baylor winning. Baylor winning. Yeah. Um, they're Utah and Oregon were off, but like them both winning a week earlier. They, Notre Dame needs probably like three or four of those teams to lose at least once, and some of them play each other, so some will. But that means that guarantees the other one wins. What changes more chaos? Well, season, and you, basically. Yeah. you you might get a better matchup in the Camping World Bowl because Kansas State lost to Texas, right? Yeah. So look, I mean, I mean, Notre Dame Texas is. If you're a Notre Dame fan, I think the Camping World Bowl would be like, ah. But Notre Dame Texas, well, well, okay. Well, this is on our board. This exact question: Memphis in a Cotton Bowl or Texas in the Camping World Bowl? And I said, as a fan, just like the LSU game. I very much enjoy watching Notre Dame play Texas, or before they had played mm-hmm. LSU a few times, LSU. Now, it's not as much money, so that's not the decision Notre Dame's going to be making if it comes down to the decision. The money is the Cotton Bowl. You're definitely going to the Cotton Bowl. But if you're... And I get the point. Like It hasn't been a major bowl win since 1993. So then, let's say you beat Memphis. It's technically a major bowl win. But, but what win. are you looking for in the major bowl win? National respect, or in your media guide that no one's allowed to see anymore, a the notching of Notre Dame won the Cotton Bowl? Or I think the end of a major bowl streak was fine. Like camping world bowl is not going to 
do much for you. I mean, that, I, do, I do a lot for my kids. The, yeah. yeah, me too. The 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 kickoffs at the same exact same time, oh. noon on the twenty eighth. Notre Dame, Texas, would outdraw the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, I, you know, for somebody yeah. so, somebody from my generation, Notre Dame, Texas means a, a ton. I mean, I, I was I was a ten year old at the Cotton Bowl when Notre Dame ended uh, Texas's thirty game winning streak. So about, I, for me, Notre Dame, Texas means a ton. How about the traveling? What do you guys think about traveling Notre Dame fans back to the Cotton Bowl to face Memphis one year after playing the playoff or the Orlando with Texas? I think it's Orlando with Texas for sure. Yeah, I mean, it was not warm in Dallas when we were there. Well, it wasn't warm in the last time we were in true. Orlando it's either. But the, but the odds are much greater. It was one nice day. It was yeah. nice because I wrote my preview at the pool, so yeah. it was nice that day. That one day, yeah, it's possible we, to be nice there. Dallas, forget it. Yeah, that doesn't that just doesn't generally happen. Okay, uh, a sports guy. I know Julian O'Quarr is supposed to be a great talent, but with the way he had been playing, isn't losing him addition by subtraction? What? No, although this week he might not have played as much as Jameer Jones anyway. I'm confused by this yeah. question. No, Jameer, uh, Notre Dame's great depth at defensive end was led by Khalid Kareem this year instead of Aquara, but Julian Aquara was next in that line of uh, quality play game to game, and Jameer Jones has just been a great addition to it. Yes. Uh, nah, I mean... He's overdoing the, how, what Julian's just Yeah, I mean, Julian, addition by subtraction. Come on, man. What are we talking about here? He's talking about 18 and a half sacks didn't happen. That's what he's talking about. You know, like the... By, by the way, how many, how, many, how many sacks did uh, Julian O'Quarr's career at Notre Dame end with? Do you know? 12. It's a little bit more. 16 and a half? 14 and a half. You guys are right, in, right around it. Uh, uh, how would you pronounce that? Another way of saying that, though? Yeah. For Aquara, is he was only ten off the all-time career sack leader. So you can diminish you can diminish fourteen and a half sacks if you're listening, or you can realize he was ten away from the all-time record at Notre Dame. Pretty good job, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, I, I the reason I asked is because I think we all would have based upon oh, the reputation yeah. that he had. Fourteen and a half is not a whole lot, and he only had four in nine games this year. That's the reputation. Half. Is this question is his reputation? No doubt. No doubt. Psycho thirty-eight thirty-eight. Was the emphasis on Ian Book running more part of the game plan for Duke? What was Notre Dame doing differently, or was it Duke doing something differently that allowed it to well, be successful? It, I, you know, it's man coverage. When when the opponent runs a lot of man coverage, it they're turning their back to the line of scrimmage as your receiver, uh, you know, takes the route downfield, and it's more advantageous for the quarterback to run against. Those type of defenses. Duke was really poor uh, as well. In, in addition to had, that, wow. yes. I mean, at number 33 on the 52-yard run, I don't even know what he was doing. Man, he got – that That was Leonard Johnson, and that, that was somebody I saw during the week watching him. This is a guy you want. He's physical. He's a big physical yeah. guy. But defending the pass, he was getting called for pass interference. Uh, he was a guy to pick on. But but that is mainly uh, – that's mainly it. When you face a team that plays – a lot of man. It opens up some opportunities for the quarterback. Plus, as we said in the first segment, the running backs weren't being particularly productive, and uh, Chip Long felt confident keeping the ball in the hands of the quarterback. Not Jay Tafel one. Do you think Notre Dame would be better off playing more Kyron Williams and Sebo Flemister and less Jafar Armstrong? They seem to have better vision and are faster to hit the hole. I'm not sure how we come to that conclusion. Kyron Williams is redshirting, uh, but he might mean Jameer Smith. Sebo. Um, no, I think. No, I think he's. No, I think he means Kyron Williams. Yeah, he's I mean, redshirting no matter what. Right. No, he is, but he's just saying, would he be? Would he be more productive if he were playing? 
And I'm not sure about that. See, I don't think Kyron Williams is more productive running the ball than Jaquar Armstrong. I, I mean, I certainly understand the question based upon the fact that Sebo Flemister is he's the fastest of the more natural running backs. I mean, Jafar Armstrong is not playing like a natural running back because he isn't one. I, I, you know, Flemister, when you see the flashes like the 11-yard run he had here and the 11-yard touchdown run that he had against Virginia and a 13-yard swing pass they had against he had against Virginia, yeah, I, I think that he does look that way. Here's the thing, though, and, and um, Hasselbeck said it in the game that you know Lance Taylor makes a decision as to who's in the game at running back. And if Sebo Flemister was playing like that in practice during the week, I would imagine he would consistently get reps. So, therefore, my conclusion is that he doesn't practice like that consistently. Yeah, I think there's also more to playing running back than running the ball. That certainly that has to be a factor as no well. No doubt. Yeah, Sebo Flemister, we said all of August, is last on the list of five running backs catching the ball. Yep. And he's certainly tied for last or just ahead of Kyron Williams in pass protection. Yes. And Jafar Armstrong. Now, this... Might not back up my point, but Jafar Armstrong is better than he had shown after tearing an abdominal muscle two months ago. Yeah, I think Jafar Armstrong is, is having a, a disappointing year because he was injured, and then that injury, he has not come back from it yes. in the way that we have seen in practice. In fairness to not Jay Tafel, who we use a lot of his yeah. questions, he stated they seem to have... He, a better vision than doing the hole. I, I would say Flemister seems, seems to have better vision and uh, faster to hit the hole. I would, agree, I would agree with that. I would agree. Beast 062, or Beist, can we get a redshirt report on the true freshman? Who has burned a year and who is on the bubble heading to the final stretch? Well, Monday Musings highlights the entire thing, so subscribe to irishillustrated.com to get a complete rundown. We will talk about the one that matters most, Isaiah Foskey. Three games played. He was thrown into service uh, because of Aquara's injury. He's the only one on the bubble. He won't play this week for Brian Kelly. They certainly don't need to blow his year unless another two guys get hurt and they really want to beat Stanford type thing. Yeah, three fre- yeah. There, only three freshmen have used up all their eligibility at this point. Those guys are regulars, Lacey, Hamilton, and Bramlett. Um, you have a couple guys that are at four. Cross is at three. That was an accident yeah. a little bit because he played one snap in the blowout against Michigan. You could have just used whoever on that spot. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Kaiser apparently has... I mean, he's at four games and wants to redshirt. I think all four. I bet you every guy at four games wanted to redshirt. Because Brian Kelly hinted at that's the new world. They all, we have conversations. They tell us they want to redshirt, and we have to say yes or no. Kyron Williams is four games. I'm sure Kyron Williams wanted to redshirt yeah. after not playing on, from scrimmage in two games. K.J. Wallace mm-hmm. is also at, yeah. at four games. So don't don't subscribe to our show. Let's to get all right here. No, I, I, we, you know, frankly, <laughs> I know that, you know, I know I've, I've said that a few times in the past, but... We, you know, I mean, we cover a lot of things here, but the complete answer is is at Foskey's the, the guy. And the athletic and Foskey's the guy that yes. people, yeah, yeah, he's, he was kind of he's the breaking point between yay or nay. Judge Arthur Vandalay putting Ian Book's modest passing stats against Duke aside, what did you see from him that makes you more confident in him as Notre Dame's quarterback the rest of the season? I.e., stepping up in the pocket going through his progressions, etc. Those things. Yeah, I thought, Those are the things. I thought stepping up in the pocket and keeping the pass alive was one of the things that he did better in this game, I think, than maybe at any point. Oh, yeah, I think by a lot. I mean, the uh, that first or second drive, first scoring drive, when he ripped that third down completion to Fink uh, for 19 yards 18, or yeah. 18 yards, um, that was really impressive because it was just like, I'm going to gun it. 
and then also the touchdown, I think, was good too. So I, he hung in the pocket so much more than he has all year. I don't know why that all of a sudden is happening, uh, but it's happening. So well, if he, if he can keep it maybe, going, then they're in good shape. Maybe, you know, maybe you get pissed off and just do it. I mean, look, uh, to be fair, in today's yeah. tale of the tape, Tim sitting next to me in the game, the first play of the game, he is looking at Komet, looking at Komet, looking at Komet, looking at Komet, and by the time Waters or safety is on top of him, then he throws the ball. On the third play against Fink, that I didn't get I didn't get quite as definitive a view of that, but you did yes. better. Fink was open. Fink was open. <laughs> and he threw it late. Throw the ball. And then he did. He had a he had a good game after And then he, he did game. after mm-hmm. that. He I mean that's a, really that's a huge difference in his game. When a guy's open, throw it. I don't know that you what you know, I Hasselbeck and O'Brien said that, you know, they told him, I don't care if you throw five interceptions, just get rid of it or rip it. But that was something we talked about in the spring. Like, I wanted to see his interception total go up because that meant he was going to be more aggressive with the ball. It's right. gone down. I'm not, I don't feel like that's a good thing because he's not pushing, like that throw to Claypool where Claypool gets <laughs> inside position and then jumps up over the DB and makes that, that catch or, or the Fink pass on third down. Um, I don't think he's done nearly enough of that this season. So if this can be sort of a the start of a new trend, then then Notre Dame would be in pretty good shape. I think you're right. And in retrospect, I overplayed how few interceptions that he had in the first half of the season. Yeah, because it was he was afraid to make a mistake. Exactly, and I'm guilty of that. And the picks. And that this, was, somebody was complaining on in the comments on my stories about like, aren't we making not, not enough of the two picks? I'm like, no. Well, one like was a fourth one, down, you have to throw it. One's fourth down, who cares? Well, that, was a, that, that bounced yeah. off a helmet and yeah. stayed. And it got hit on the, the other ground. one. That happens all the time. Yeah, that I be mean, aggressive. Yeah. No, it's it's uh it's it's better. He's a better football player that way. Or he's more of what Nordame needs when he's that way. CJ Natrigal. Duke's lone T D occurred because Dante Vaughn Dante Vaughn got burned in coverage. What's the reason he continues to get more playing time over Bracey? Well the reason against Virginia Tech was because he was playing Damon Hazelton, he's a bigger, stronger guy. But I'm at, you know, I thought Bracey played very well in this Duke game, and I, I mean, I hear you. I think he needs to play. I, he needs to play more. I think the thought in the spring and in camp was that Pride plays the ball best among all the corners, and Bracey is second. I disagree. Bracey plays the ball better than any Notre Dame corner on the roster right now. Just uh, so the. CJ Nachtgall knows uh, Tariq Bracey actually did play more than Dante Vaughn and played more than Troy Pride as well against Duke. So he played more. And Tariq Bracey actually led the team with three third down wins. Not that he like, made amazing but breakups, he, but, but that's I, a good thing but to I, do. But he couldn't play against Virginia Tech? No, he should have. That didn't make any sense. It should have. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know the answer to that completely other than the level of physicalities. Respective physicality yeah, of each Vaughn, guy, but on the edge. I mean, I did not play for tackling purposes against Virginia Tech when they had to go against Patterson. Yeah. Vaughn just wasn't an athlete enough in space to make contact the first time. But then the next play, they went right back at him. He made a pretty good hit on on Patterson low. Do you remember? It, yeah, it, it took him down. Yeah, that, maybe they, maybe Bracey couldn't take on a two hundred fifty pound. No, I get it. Stat, I, I mean, I get that part. Stat wise, so this, uh, people understand against USC. Uh, this is Bracey's. I'm sorry, against Michigan. Bracey played ten snaps. Vaughn played sixty. Against Virginia Tech, Bracey played three snaps, Vaughn played 62, and then last weekend, Bracey played 49, Vaughn played 33. One, one snap too many, maybe. <laughs> he just, I, you know, I just think that his his technique is just all over the place. He's lunging all over the place, and, and 
Size and physicality can only give you so much. Indy NYC. The announcers for the Duke game were saying that Fink is finally healthy. I hadn't heard he was hurt. Did they keep that under wraps? And is that why his production was off before this game? And again, I will say Indy NYC, if you subscribe to Blue and Gold Illustrated, you would have known about or, or them, Fink's. Or, 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 Irish or Irish Illustrated. What did I say? Blue and Gold. But, you know, there's a lot of entities out there. <laughs> <laughs> or The Athletic or... Something Tribune, there's I, a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, I had a 20-year flashback as editor of Blue. A lot of people will tell you this answer because it was from the press conference today. We can yeah. put it that way. Think we know he hurt his shoulder against uh, Georgia. Right. And now apparently there's been a hip and a leg. So yes, the natural reaction here is, well, there's two things. Aha, for us, because we watch him beat people all day long in mm-hmm. April and August and last year. And as Tim said, was it the Virginia Tech game where he just got dropped like a sack of potatoes one on one? You're like, what? Well, how was he not faking that guy out one on one? He does it to everybody. He does it to Alohi Gilman. Right. So maybe not healthy, but obviously people now will say, well, why play him? Lawrence Keys, bad heel. <laughs> Four healthy receivers. That's Lawrence why. Keys, bad heel. Joe Wilkins hurt the whole year. Michael Young, broken collarbone, delusions of grandeur. Kevin Austin suspended. And Braden Lindsay, September concussion, and often injured. But but sit, in addition to that, but sit the guy that got the most votes for captain. And he fought through it. But, now he does not have a great year, but this is partly, this is clearly part of the reason. Right? Yeah. It's hard to, if you're a quick player, it's hard to have a great year when the things that make you quick are not there. You think Blue and Gold's going to use that clip for the next commercial <laughs> yeah. they do? Look, even Priester supports us. TCC Irish. Isaiah Foskey has played in three games so far. Do, do they play him... And burn the redshirt year with the injuries at defensive end. Seems like if he's, if he's as good as they think he is, he would be a four-year player here anyway. I just don't think he is going to make a difference um, against Boston College and Stanford. You just pick one and go with it. Um, you know, you just never know where the career, like his career is going to go. Um, so the idea of potentially having him for a fifth year, I think, is great. Would you prefer to have Romeo acquire for a fifth year? Yeah, yeah, you would. Um, and that, and so just go with that. Capper Lewis Moore, would you like to have him for fifth year? Obviously, because he was a captain on a team that went to the national championship game. Like, there's even if a fifth year almost, it, it, I wouldn't say that it's almost never happens. It just doesn't happen all the time. Like, I would still prefer the option of that happening, whether it's Drew Tranquil, um, Capper Lewis Moore. Um, I'd rather you. Jerron Jones came back for a fifth year. I mean, that was, I think, kind of significant, even though the team was, like, not great. Um, like, I just, if a guy can help you down the road, even if you're not the head coach, like, Brian Kelly might not even be here, um, it could be good for the player. It certainly could be for Notre Dame. And if he ends up doing a grad transfer, then it's good for that player there, too, because he's not he's not good enough to play here, but he can go play somewhere else. Another thing it protects in the new um Redshirt world is, let's say Isaiah Foskey's a really good sophomore and an All-American junior, but he comes back for one more year as a senior, and then he gets hurt at any point in the first four games. He can come back and play his fifth year. Right. It's an injury protection thing for any of those, okay, well, any of those three years. Let's it, say he gets hurt as a junior, it, and he wants that extra year. You, you don't throw him out in game five for no reason, right? They gave well, you, you four. Cer- you certainly don't do it this week against triple option football. Well, and for the record, next year's... Two starting defensive ends, Adeogun Deji is going to be a fifth-year senior, and Dalen Hayes is going to be a fifth-year senior. And had Pretty it not good. been Dalen Hayes, it would have been Jameer Jones' fifth-year senior. Dalen Hayes is my exact example right there. Plus, you know, Ovi Gufo and Justin Adamiola have been in the program for an extra year. You choose them now before you 
do Isaiah Foskey in, in burner year of eligibility. Mikey B, 95. <laughs> More likely to be on the 2020 roster. That's a good one. Alohi Gilman or Sean Crawford? Well, I, didn't, I don't know if we talked about this last week. I wasn't around when Sean Crawford was speaking post-Virginia Tech, and he apparently referenced this. It wasn't to us. It was, a, it was, a, to a, it was on a... I, I don't want to misspeak. It was on a podcast that has nothing to do with any of the outlets that are normally... He got maybe it says something to do with the award he received for uh, comeback player of the week, and that was oh, eligible. So, yeah, yeah, okay. He was discussed. He they discussed with him then, and he mentioned that it's on the table. Okay, but my point was last week it was off the table because he was healthy and rolling when I asked him the question earlier in the year. Yeah, and then he dislocated his elbow and realized his football career could be over, and now it's back on the table. Right? Yeah. Was it that um, the logical thing? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, what a huge difference that would make. For Notre Dame next year. I guess so our answer is Sean Crawford uh, over Logan yes. Gilman. Yeah. Gilman would just surprise me the way he's always talked about not coming but not, not, not coming back, but going pro. He wants to play in the NFL. Now's the time to try it, probably. Yeah. I would agree. He's not out of the realm of possibility, though, Gilman. Like, if they're 10-0 right now and he's an All-American, then he's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll change his mind, yeah. but I'm kind of on the mindset that he wants to take a shot at it. He'll graduate from Notre Dame. You know, was spent two years in the Naval Academy because he was prep school there one year as well. Oh, right, right. right. Point. Uh, just might be ready to move on to something else. Like it's okay to make a life decision too. It doesn't have to be yeah, six football year, draft potential. Yeah, a six time. year commitment is is a is a heck of a. Commitment. I got out of the Navy. Right. Kay Beasley, who is this year's Greer Martini type who shines against Navy's option attack? Uh, well, when Drew Tranquil got hurt, was injured last year against Navy, Drew White came in, everybody's scrambling to look who number 40 is. I didn't know who he was at that time, but it's like, Drew, Drew White, really? Uh, Brian Kelly kind of downplayed that, said it's going to take all 11, which, of course, when you're, you're playing Navy. But Drew White came in and did a hell of a job against Navy last year. I'm curious to find out, because Greg Martini was super special <laughs> at that role. Um, that Navy's offense is different than the last... Three years, I guess, at least two years. So three years. Will Worth is the one that put it on him in sixteen. Yeah, they've gone back to the real triple option reads instead of the QB power stuff. Um, I, my guess is Alohi Gilman will have the best game. I don't know if that counts as being the option whisper of Greer Martini. Oh yeah, I, I'd be all for like more of a three safety look, and yeah. Jalen Elliott and Alohi Gilman are just crashing down the whole time. Like that's your fourth linebacker. Um, you know, it looks like you're playing nickel, but you're actually. Playing a four-four. Well, then they have in recent years shown a four-four look mm-hmm. against yeah. them, so that would make that would definitely make sense. You know, who'd be good at uh, kind of roaming that back line. There's a new, new freshman who can kind of handle stuff back there. Just in case. Yeah, he could have a big game and only have four tackles. Decide <laughs> to do some stuff. Statman seventy-two. Every year as the Navy game approaches, the same question occurs to me, and I never ask it. Pete just meant Statman seventy-two. I did. Outside the chapel at two. Why don't we just pass those guys to death? How can they possibly cover Komet and Claypool? Are we afraid quick TDs will put our defense back on the field too soon? Does Navy focus on passing the ball so much that running the football becomes the better option? I think sometimes they do pass them to death. Um, Tommy Reese did, but that was a really bad team. Let's yeah. think of their good teams. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What, what did Book throw for last year? I mean, I feel like he had a very productive he did, passing I remember. Yeah. night. And, um, so I, they can do that, and... I think this would be a good time to do it because your running backs are not great. Uh, Comet and Claypool are. Fink is is healthy. Um, they you know, do you know, have they do have a bigger line at least from what I've seen. It looks like and a what little Brian bigger Kelly line. said two three hundred pounders inside. Hard yeah. to move. 
No, but I, sure. I mean, but he also talked up USC's defensive tackles. Mm-hmm. They moved them out of there, no problem. Um, and you know, like <laughs> Duke's defensive line was supposed to be really good. I I didn't see any reason to think that uh, on Saturday night. So I, but I would. The way Book played last week, if you're going to build on that and he can stand in the pocket, because they're not going to put any pressure on him. That's one thing that is happens every damn game, time in this game. The quarterback is never under pressure. No, and I don't think this D-line is going to do that. I think that if you, if you know, Notre Dame has had trouble getting to, to the perimeter with their running backs, but, man, this looks like a Navy line that I think you can do that against. Tim, interesting today, Brian Kelly's comments about Navy safeties. Yeah, he said that, they recruited one of them. I don't know who that know. was. That, yeah. Boy, I tell you, that wasn't, and obviously, he knows better than I, but that wasn't what I saw uh, pregame when I started to watch Navy. So we'll see about their safety play. You know, last, not last year, they did try this. I was Wimbush, said on the accounts. 2017, Notre Dame only won that game because they decided Josh Adams cannot be tackled. And we're going to run the ball down the throat and come back and win in the second half. Yeah, that was like Josh Adams laboring end of the year. Mm-hmm. He was hurt. Uh, Wimbush was really yeah, poor. Yeah, your yeah, was... <clears throat> I think I would pass this game too, but that's why Navy is always within a well, touchdown at the end. And, but then if you don't run it, it's like, they're, they're Navy, they're <laughs> smaller than you. Why aren't you pounding them? He should not listen to that. <laughs> no. You got it? Yep, BLK Spurn. If we would have lost to Michigan by three points, would our fan base be calling for Brian Kelly's job? Uh, I mean, some of them would, but that's how many crazy people are on the internet. But it would certainly, the, the entire tone would be a lot different, because we'd be talking about Notre Dame, it's probably ranked 11th or 12th, not 15th or 16th. That that loss is probably ultimately what's going to keep them out of the Cotton Bowl, even though they're going to, they could finish 10-2 and two regardless. They, they were just that bad at Michigan. Um, a lot of people just checked out on Notre Dame at that point. I'm talking about Notre Dame fans. Yes. They they're just like, I, I'm... I'm just so mad I can't watch this team. And that's fine. Like, if you don't enjoy watching the games, you shouldn't force yourself to do it. But it was a I, bad I mean, night. I, I get that um, because it was so bad. I mean, you, right. didn't, you didn't compete. And, um, it was more of so bad once a year. And people are done with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I also think that there's a large segment of fans, and Tim, I know you agree with this, that are just waiting for a big-time stumble by Brian Kelly to... to jump off the bandwagon because, you know, they were off it and were kind of forced back on it because they suddenly started playing really good football after the 2016 season. But they were given a hell of an excuse to, to jump back off, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, I mean, these are the same fans that I'm sure you are interacting with them as well. They're like, it's just Duke. Why are you making anything of this Duke game? I was like, well, I don't know. They won probably 38-7. to We covered the games as separate entities, and you notice right. after the Duke game, we didn't write about the playoffs. Yeah, I really don't. I like don't think that people appreciate the cumulative effect on a football team from one Saturday to the next. The physicality of the game, what it does to you, how emotionally difficult it is to go from one game to the next. Duke was a team that potentially, you know, could they beat Notre Dame? Well, they might at home if Notre Dame doesn't play well in this area, this area, this area. And what happened? Notre Dame beat the crap out of them. I want to come to the mildly. Saying fans' defense on this. The loss to Michigan furthered the point that many have that, you know what? We're not going to win a national title with Brian Kelly, so I'm mad. Yeah, no. I, I Had they lost by three points, those people wouldn't say that. It's pretty, right? it, it was a little alarming, I think, for a lot of people to see, like, ah, this is the ceiling. 
However, that ceiling was there the whole time. You just had somebody turn the light on yeah, for that's you. That's when Michigan does it to you, too, is a problem for a yeah, lot of Notre Dame no, fans, no which doubt. is totally fair. No doubt. But when you're stringing together 10, 11, 12 win seasons, but before, you are close. Even You're not to the level. We all saw Alabama LSU play the other night. Yeah. Who's, at, who's, at, who's at that level? Ohio State. Ohio State. Yeah. Okay? That's it. But... I mean, you don't just, you just, when you're winning 10, 11, 12 games, they haven't won 11 games. When you're winning 10 or 12 games, you are theoretically pretty darn close. But you can't, no one here, I want to be clear, is making an excuse that, oh, it was just a bad night at Michigan. They got killed and they don't deserve to be ranked any higher than they are. And no one can argue anything about it because all you got to say is 180 yards, total offense, 45 14 in Michigan. Yeah, I mean, that. That is a. That's why I tried to ask him, Brian Kelly, after this, after the game about this. Like that's a game that has to color your entire offseason, which doesn't mean you need to tell me how it's going to color your entire offseason right. that night. But in January, he needs to sit down with Chip and Clark and be like, "All right, what the heck happened at Michigan? We need to like really dissect everything we did that entire both weeks." Him, Keith, the bye week. Too. Yeah, Brian no, Kelly it's too. like they all yeah, need to okay. sit down and be like, "What did we do these two weeks?" To come out and lay that big of an egg, um, and it to me it has a lot less to do with like, well, we shouldn't have run that uh, slow developing play. No, with it the had boundary. nothing to do with that. Or like, it had eh, should we to have played two deep safeties in a rainstorm? Man, eh, no, it's it's everything leading up to that game that that's they're going to have to really be forensic about picking that do, thing apart. And I just to clarify, do I think that Notre Dame's going to go out and win a national title? Probably not, but you don't. Yeah, again, you have to live in the real world. When you're consistently going ten and two, and you throw in a twelve and zero, you're pretty you're pretty close with the guy that's your head coach. Are you at the level of a couple other programs that are head and shoulders above everybody else? No, but they're they're clearly the exception to the rule. All right, we'll finish with NCon thirty four. What do you think of PJ Fleck as the next head coach at Notre Dame? Would it be better to make a move sooner rather than later? I mean, for the second part, no. Um, that would be a little bizarre. But uh, I I thought he was a carnival barker uh, going into last Saturday, and I like carnivals, but coming out of that, I was like, There's a, is there actually some real substance to this guy? Because it certainly is starting to sound and feel that way. Like, the way that they play football is smart and... They're not just winging it all over the place for show. Um, there just seems to be a lot more meat on the bone to this guy than, than maybe my perception in South Bend, uh, however many hours away we are from Minneapolis and two hours away from Kalamazoo um, actually is. I think I've watched P.J. Fleck coach two games, so it's hard to compare him to becoming the next coach at Notre Dame, and there's a lot more to coaching Notre Dame. I don't know if all this stuff would work very well at Notre Dame once they lose a game they shouldn't lose, right, because it's Notre Dame. But you also, Pete, and this is a compliment to P.J. Fleck, just mentioned about how they're coached, how aggressive they can be. And I don't mean aggressive like attacking new age offense, just like they're aggressive football players. They, they receivers finish like you want them to finish. They finish blocks, they finish runs. Everything about them was on point. They're, and that's what Cincinnati looked like in 2009. Exactly. Brian Kelly was that coach uh, you know, 10, 11 years ago. Look, winning is hard, and I, and I don't think that you can – I don't think you can fool players into being good players. You know what I mean? I mean, I think so. My my point about PJ Fleck is, 
I always thought there was some level of substance to them because you can't, you, you, no. you, you can't, you got, you it have just, to have it that. Felt out of whack. No, I, un, I understand that. I understand no, it completely. And I've said the exact same thing yeah. that you've said. But winning is very difficult on this level, and you don't just kick Penn State's ass like that without having substance to your program. And to your point, Tim, watching a good portion of that game. Minnesota's players are playing quality football. Their running backs are better than Notre Dame's running backs. The receivers are as well. Yes. I mean, Chase Claypool is Chase the best Claypool, of that group. Yeah. However, uh, just Tanner Morgan, their quarterback, was, I think, 18 of 20 in the game and was throwing deep shots. And to your point, Tim, about how the last five minutes of that game were handled. Yes. Now, here's one thing. Had Brian Kelly... Look, they, they could have lost this game, right? Sure. Obviously, there's a penalty that helped him out. Had Brian Kelly handled the last five minutes of a game, of a win in that way, he would have been eviscerated for being so conservative when they get the ball back, playing softer defensively than he played all game long, giving them a chance to win at the end. Why can't we put our foot down and kill someone? Well, you know what? Because it's hard the entire game to do that to a team, and you have to play the clock a little bit. But when PJ, when I saw the last drive Minnesota had, I was like, oh my gosh! All I thought about was Notre Dame if they approached it like this. There's four and a half minutes left, and they're thinking, hey, can, we, can we get a first down here, as opposed to doing what they've done the entire game. And that's it's, a lot of coaches do it because you feel like, look at the clock, look at the clock, look at the clock. I think Notre Dame fans would have killed Brian Kelly had they won a game like that. Probably maybe less so than Penn State fans are killing James Franklin for another right. game on the road. <laughs> right. but he's not part of the equation right now yeah, for I'm the job saying, Notre Dame. Like, yes. yeah. He well, doesn't say nice things about Notre Dame and, either. And also I'd like to say that you know, P.J. Fleck is the head coach of Notre Dame, and as soon as he loses a game like you're referencing, you know, people are going to talk about, you know, high school coach and all that amateurish way of approaching coaching football. It's, you know, at Minnesota, if you lose that game, it's like, man, you played a great game. You you just came up short to an undefeated Penn State team. That's a great point. The whole world changes at the University of Notre Dame where, it, look, as soon as Brian Kelly wins 10 games – Nine or ten is no longer enough. The thing about Fleck that I I would be very curious to see how it works here is he seems way more accessible to his players than any Notre Dame head coach that we've covered. Um, And I think in 2019 or 20 or 21 or 22 or 23, like that's more important now than maybe it has been in the past. I think that P.J. Fleck has a way of communicating with with high school prospects and college players that is probably a lot more in line with how they want to be communicated with. You know what a perfect example that is? Brian Kelly refers to his players as they. I'm sure P.J. Fleck doesn't refer to his yeah. players as they. He says we. Yeah. That's that. That's a new school never, approach versus I old did, school You approach. saw that in Tail the Tape today. I, I did not. Uh, but maybe I said I've, in a second. Many people second, have said this. And, they have. And, yeah. I, and I've, uh, that has all, as a former coach, that's always struck me that he refers to his players as they. No, there aren't. Aren't you and them in it together? And you refer to them as we. I just find it unusual, and I'm almost positive that PJ Fleck doesn't yeah. think of it that way. One thing, and I and, and again, I'm sorry. I think that's just maybe generational. Yeah, I, I just think it's age. Right? I think it's I think it's age. Even though I'm basically the same age as Brian Kelly, and I wouldn't refer to it as that. I don't know why he does, but he does. But they beat Georgia and Michigan. No one cares. He says they. I, I t- However, maybe not. I but know. The, I'm but, just uh, saying that might not be the whole thing. That's a truism yeah. for all coaches. Well, very, so. very few yeah. people care about that. Yeah. It just it, that has always stood out to me and struck me as like, why does he? 
I don't understand why. And I he think says he's that. been quite a bit better in that regard since 2016. Oh no like, doubt, it was 100 percent they, and now it's more like, hey, we're in this together. Um, yeah. But but not in the way that I think Brian Kelly's ever going to run in the locker room and try to crowd surf on his own roster. He did drink out. Of I don't know what the players would do if he would try to do that. Did he drink out of a cup though last year? He, out of something. I think it was whiskey. No, there was no, no it wasn't. Matt Rule. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right, we'll be back. Uh, we appreciate you joining us today for Irish Illustrated Insider, not not that other publication. Um, man, where did that come yeah. from? Deep I, 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 we let some things go. I didn't think that should be like I that. love you, Lou. You know I love you, brother. All right, we'll uh, <laughs> Thursday, we'll be back. Irish Illustrated Insider. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit indianadunes.com.